This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, movie fans. Welcome to another Anatomy of Movie here at the Popcorn Talk Network. Sorry to have bothered you. Oh, wait. That's not the name of the movie. Sorry to bother you. That's what we're talking about here today. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's Boots Riley's first movie ever. Sorry to bother you. I have a different panel here today. Well, panelist. <laughs> Welcome, Anthony Becerra. You guys might have seen him on other movies that we've done, like um, uh, the, the Hereditary. Hereditary and yes. some other horror movies. I, I was here for The Shape of Water, I think, maybe? I'm yeah. Not sure. But yeah. Welcome, Anthony, to the show. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Anthony Becerra. Hello, hello. He also does our horror movie news show here at Popcorn Talk, so if you enjoy what he has to say you can check him out more there yeah every tuesdays uh at 4 p.m pacific standard time it's a nice little companion show to what we do different Mm -hmm. but nice show nonetheless yes all right if you're joining us for the very first time welcome welcome to the show a couple things to note number one we are spoiler filled so if you haven't seen the movie especially this movie i highly highly suggest pause here go see the movie then unpause and watch us if you don't care about spoilers well that's up to you that's your prerogative i'm not here to tell you what to do secondly you can follow along with what we have to say in our rundown we have a rundown in the description box it's a little pdf you click it it pulls it up and and that way you get all the various research that we have um of course we try to bring to light as much of it that we can but sometimes you know it's like an iceberg we can only talk talk about the tip of the iceberg and not fully everything yeah Uh, last but certainly not least to give you some context for the show we're not just a movie review show. We talk about the storylines and the plots and the deeper themes, of course, but we also give you the background context, how a movie was made, how it was shot, how it was edited, and, of course, how it made it to market. For a movie like this, especially, we're going to talk about how foreign distribution right now is not quite happening for the movie and why that is. So uh, lots and lots to d- discuss surrounding this this fantastic movie, which is um, a little bit of insight into how I felt about it. But, Anthony... I want to hear how you felt about this movie. So give us your opinion. Um, let's see. So when this movie got on my radar, it's um, I read a review about it um, way ahead of time. And then I was hooked just by reading that review. And then once I saw the trailer, I was even it even hooked me more because I just love absurdist comedies. And I just love how just nuts they can get. And on that front, this movie delivered... And but also it's so much more than than just a, uh, a an absurdist comedy. It has to do with so many uh, issues that are prevalent, and especially having to do with uh, capitalism and communism, as well as classism, and in the workplace. And uh, so overall, I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was pretty funny, um, and I th- and it has a lot to say about a lot of things. Yeah, I. You know, I wasn't fully... Oh, I, I knew that it would be very politically charged, but I didn't know kind of what 
was in store for me when I went to go see this movie. It was very impactful. It certainly ramped up towards the end and got to... Uh, it's been compared to Michelle Gondry-esque, yeah, which I think is apropos of it. Um, ironically, this year I've been seeing a lot more things regarding Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not just a tie into blind spotting, but uh, also there's an a- actual uh, really great web series called The North Pole, which um, they're like five minute shorts that deal with Oakland. And it's um, it's really interesting. So I-, I recommend that to you if you like this movie in particular. Okay. I've also wanted to see blind spotting, too, for a while. Yeah, yeah. definitely worth, worth checking out. Oakland, uh, o- Oakland has an interesting... Not history, but um, it, it's an interesting place at this time, mm-hmm. um, you know. And it's not dissimilar to, let's say, Los Angeles, and you know, or even New York, as far as kind of the plight of of, of people in general. But um, but it has its own specificity about how it goes about it. So I, so I appreciate that. And um, you know, Boots Riley, this as his. Directorial, directorial debut. Um, I think it's something that he can be very proud of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I know for a long time it was in the works as far as him doing it. Um, he actually started writing it during the Obama administration, and so um, just to, as far as the script was concerned, it didn't change that much. But he was less concerned with attacking um, the politics of us as a nation. You know, especially now he 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 made a very conscious effort to not have it be fully. In opposition of the Trump administration, it's just more in opposition of, um, I don't know, let's say neoliberalism, which if you want to learn more about, definitely read like Norm Chomsky, uh, let's say Profit Over People. That's a short kind of entry point into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, there's – there's on the surface, when the movie kind of begins, it's very – sort of provides – a doorway, a pretty wide doorway into kind of this world so you get somewhat acclimated that when it goes into some of the more surreal moments, you're you're left, you know, you go along for the journey a little bit easier because it goes pretty deep. Right. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I find some similarities between this movie and also uh, Idiocracy mm-hmm. um, because it, it does have that same... Um, it's a politically driven satire, and and it's it's they go to absurdist lengths to make a point, to make a statement. And although it does come off as just being crazy, it's it, they present um, actual things that happen in real that that is happening in real life. So I really appreciate it for that for that point. Um, and. Um, I don't know what it's to say. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, absurdist humor and absurdist just movies, whether humor or not, work in that sense because they take what does exist and stretch it out to its furthest extreme, which, you know, when you really look at kind of mankind, that's ultimately what evil is. And in order to realize something about ourselves, we have to see it from that perspective in, in order to to discern meaning from that way. And uh, I know you had um, a great conversation with someone I wanted to invite today, uh, Courtney Stewart. She's been on the show a couple of times. Um, She always has an interesting viewpoint. Um, For those of you who don't know her, which I'd be surprised if you you did just from listening to the show, but she's a great human being. Uh, She's a producer. She's an actress. Uh, She 
happens to be black and, and, and very, very educated person in general. But I want to get your perspective on some of the things that she told you about, specifically um, what worry-free represented in the movie. Right. Um, so, yeah. So what she told me, how she viewed it, was that worry-free was, in a sense, like an allegory for uh, the mass incarceration that specifically uh, was aimed at black men that started back in the Clinton administration. And so that's why um, how you see when you see little commercials of worry free, it's mainly uh, you mainly see predominantly white people in the commercials. And she she found it as a dig at like a little um, jab at how when the, the the these policies that were presented by the Clinton administration, a lot of um, a lot of Caucasian Americans were all for it that they thought it was a really great thing to do when in reality it's it we're just now seeing the ramifications of how um, black men have been being put into prison by like the smallest things and are kept there and are are pretty much are they're they're set up to fail by that point in a sense once they come out of that once they come out of prison as to like they come out they want to live a straight life but it's just it's so hard and it kind of sets them up for failure and it sets them up to to just in a sense give up and to realize that just being in prison getting your three meals a day being in the car having your place to 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 sleep um is much easier than to trying to make it afterwards and that's i think that's what uh, worry free is it's is a jab at all the all of that because they get their cots, they get their three meals, and they're they're in their head. It's like well, in the in the film, in the commercial, it's they are uh, in a sense kind of brainwashed to be like, this is good for us, this is what we want. Like like remember that scene where that man's like eating the the food off of, like that other woman's plate, and he's just it's 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 uh, completely just it's. It's 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 wild. I mean, <laughs> well, the, he, even um, even Cash's uncle, he sort of represents that side of he's like, okay, they're going to take my house. Right. You know, what 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 choice do I have left? Mm-hmm. Like, I have to do this. And I think I think that's certainly one reading of it. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong. But what I appreciate this movie works on so many different levels that when when you talk about that this movie represents classism, yeah, I, th- I think there's that side of it too, where you know black white or whatever i think as a working people it's like ultimately what are we working towards and when you talk about you know this idea that we're a slave and you know i think it's a very advanced version of slavery mm-hmm. in the sense that you know by 65 we're supposed to retire we're supposed our 401ks are supposed to be a safety net for us but we're you know our through our savings and other means we're supposed to be able to live in retirement and yet that is not the reality for most people in America at this time, and many have to, you know, take, uh, I don't want to call it demeaning jobs, but, you know, it always breaks my heart to a degree when you see someone in their 70s working at a supermarket, Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, I I promise you they didn't work their entire career to sort of end up where, you know, someone at the beginning of their career, this is where, you know, a, a teenager or someone in their early 20s is supposed to be working. Right. Um... Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. Um, I, it's just, uh, it's something that's that's been going on. It's it's just it's uh, it's a system that's been ingrained, and uh, it's hard to get rid of it. Um, I've seen it personally in my in my own parents. To this day, my mom is still 
uh, working um, just almost every day, Monday through Friday, waking, waking up at like five in the morning just to get to your job to provide. Uh, granted, my, my, my brothers and sisters, but even then, like I've ex- I have experienced this firsthand in my family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really messed up system that was, that's been established. And I think it has to do with uh, capitalism. Well, which, you know, cutting to the end of the movie, uh, and we'll, we'll backtrack, I promise. Um, but, a lot, you know, some people have said, like, this movie perhaps suffer, suffers from a first-time director's kind of touch. And, you know, uh, the only where I felt that was at the ending, because it's a very powerful ending, but obviously it doesn't, it's not like it's definitive. It's very open-ended. Mm-hmm. And I think that's in large part with how the hell do you solve this class problem? I, I you know, I don't, I don't think it's up to Boots Riley to figure that out. Um, I think it's all of us, and um, you know, it's a very difficult question to sort of ask of somebody. And in that sense, well, wasn't he kind of like trying to solve it by like how he had the um, how he had the workers unite and try to form that union to go up against the uh, the corporation that was. Um, I can't remember. Uh, what was the company? Worry free. Uh, not worry free. Where the telemarketing company that oh. they're working at? Uh, yes. Uh, give me a moment. I'm blanking on the name, but, but yeah, Regal in, or something like that. Something along in, those lines. In a sense, I think that's what. I mean, I mean that's that's probably not the end all be all answer, but I think that's something that would help to be to go against the system would be to have have the working class. Uh, uh, in a sense, come to a sort of union together and try to address the problem in that sort of sense. Yeah, but, you know, and I don't think that's the first step, obviously. What is the actual solution? You know, who knows? And, it, you know, I think I think the part of the reason why the, the problem gets escalated in today's day and age is because everything's so bipolar mm-hmm. and try getting anyone to talk about anything that's not surface level. Right. And even stuff that is surface level, everyone just... Um, does an underhanded punch without much thought you know there's, there's not a lot of discourse mm-hmm. that's certainly meaningful it's all just fluff um you know there, there's a term feed them beans you know what that means feed them beans yeah no i've never heard of that it what means is- feed them, like just just give them what they need and like just keep it moving type of thing okay um you know just let them survive and that's it um and so i think as far as um uh, you know, uh, I, I think a lot of when it comes to the government, uh, there, there's a lot of this sense of uh, of, of propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. And that you know, the beans essentially mean you know mean that propaganda. You know, worry free with its commercials. That was the propaganda of like, here's what you got, but obviously, you know, hiding what the reality of it all is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but Boots Riley, in, in particular, when he talks about the title, uh, he he very says. It very deliberately called it sorry to bother you because it's not only the telemarketing side of, of what the title means the surface level but on the deeper side of it um, he, as he says is that often when you're telling someone something that is different from how they view things different from how they view the world it feels like an annoyance or a bother and that's where that comes from mm, okay. and you know especially as I said, in today's day and age, like if you try to present any sort of viewpoint, um, it does feel like a bother, and uh, that's that's where the clashing of heads comes in, unfortunately. Um, another thing I want to actually read, uh, it's from Slate.com. 
To its disciples, capitalism seems straightforward and logical. It's only when you take a step back or see it from the outside or feel its boot on your neck that you realize that capitalism is a master, is a master impossible to please in the long run and that its devotees will think up any and all cruel absurdities to feed its growth. It's fitting, then, that Saudi to bother you, one of the sharpest and most invigorating corporate satires in years, keeps escalating its keeps escalating in surreal surreality surre- yes that's it uh, for some reason i can't read today <laughs> as its protagonist a salesman named cassius uncovers nastier nastier secrets about his company and its client firms the film's uncanny images build in wit and discomfort until they reach nightmarish proportions an awful metaphor for unrestrained capitalism's stand natural endpoint hmm. um so i read in you know so let's let's take Cash as the main character. Right, Cash Green, by the way, his name. Well, his real name is Cassius Green. Cassius Green, yeah. So it's, so it's Cash, Cash is, is Green, Green, yeah, which it is. It's yeah, <laughs> and I, I I appreciate that that level of it. Um, but he and you know he has this sort of dream. Or he has this notion that he's just not living up to his potential. He doesn't know how to live up to his potential, and so. It's it's very hurtful to him, and he understands that, but he doesn't know what to do when the one thing that he is good at and the one thing that affords him a lifestyle of any kind mm-hmm. is something that is in complete opposition to his culture, his own soul, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I want to get your perspective, though. <laughs> yeah, um, I love that part. I love how that was represented through his, uh, his father's picture, how, like, when he... Uh, the more the more he kind of like grew in his in in the company the more it would cut back to that same picture it was always the same picture but always the picture would change though and um i love that aspect of how his his own father uh was kind of slowly getting more and more disappointed in him even after like he, he was dead um uh so i yeah like i completely agree with you and it's it sucks too to be in that position where you're good at something but what the thing that you're good at is like something that's horrible it's kind of like being an assassin like a really good assassin um but it's 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 not as bad but then again i don't know he is kind of selling slaves by the end of it which is horrible um but yeah i think that's just a reflection of how you know sometimes people have to go through that like or people do have to like yeah i'm bad at this but i mean it's a horrible thing i do but i'm really good at it and um kind of take it back it's it's I guess it's a it's a it's a really hard in, internal struggle because you like just like how cash is, what happens to cash he loses his friends over it over it he loses in in a metaphorical metaphorical literal sense he kind of sees his uh, he loses the respect of his father or like the uh, from through the pictures um, and I think it's a it's a really prominent point that's that's being said there that. Um, is is making money really worth in a sense selling your soul for the sake of making more money to have that lifestyle that, that you think you want or you might you might think is what you're supposed to want or have and uh it's a it's a really great point to see represented in the film like this especially coming from a uh having a a protagonist that's African American because it's it's such a struggle for them in America just because they're born a certain, a certain color. Yeah. 
Well, I think you know the movie very deliberately to me showcases no middle ground. It's mm-hmm. either you work at the bottom and 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 sell the crap products, right? And barely you don't make anything, or you're just making a boatload of money but doing something that is truly you know egregious. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the real crux. Uh, 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 of that struggle is not so much that like okay I want to be this billionaire or whatever I don't I don't, I don't think Cash just really necessarily wanted that lifestyle he's had I think he would be happy with a middle class lifestyle where he owns a house has a family you know decent car and whatever. he doesn't need the full expensive stuff and yet that's not an option so it's mm-hmm. one or the other it's very binary in that sense and I think more and more people find themselves in that. Uh, you know, but I think I think there's a universal truth to cash that that applies to a lot of Americans, where it gets very specific, which is great storytelling. Is that it, it applies it to a black man, mm-hmm. um, and it starts very slowly with his white man voice, mm-hmm. uh, which this movie, the humor of it, really comes from this idea that it's. You're kind of at first laughing at how absurdist it is, but I often I, – I never know how to describe it. The only way I know how to describe it is in just kind of replicating the laugh where you're just kind of laughing hysterically. <laughs> and then it, and it tapers off because this, this sort of realization of what that truly means hits you. Right. Because there's a surface level with this white man voice that's just funny. It's, of course, it's David Cross. David Cross is – I love David Cross. He's in Arrested Development. He's yeah, in internal, nude. Yeah, yeah it, it, there, there, he's, he's a – He's a comedian. He's mm-hmm. funny. And yet it takes on a completely different meaning. And that only gets stretched further and further. Um, we were talking before we went on air about the song where he's performing um, you know, to Steve Lift and, yeah. and the rest of the people. He's specifically s- singing to a very white audience. And he knows – he realizes what he has to do to appease them. Right. He's He's playing – an image of a black man, a stereotypical image of a black man for white people. Mm-hmm. And it's very saddening to him. I mean, just <laughs> the song itself um, is just so horrific because it, it represents everything that is not him and everything that he feels like he should be playing to. Right. You know, when, when you hear Jay-Z or so, like Oprah and Jay-Z have had this debate many a times about the N-word and the use of it in the black culture, and it's very much, well... By us using it, we're taking back the word for ourselves and not letting it hold the power that it used to. Mm-hmm. Here, essentially, he's freely giving it back to the white man to be a pejorative. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, and I think that that scene itself, although as funny as it might possibly come off of, like personally, I thought it was pretty funny. But I also, like, I, I knew the realization of it. Where, like, this is the epitome of him selling out. Like, this is the epitome of, in a sense, him dancing like a puppet in front of, of in front of all these uh, the the white audience. And it's it's funny, but it's also a very sad and like heartbreaking thing to to see because it's it's when you think about it, it's like is this you you think about it, it's like is this really what the in a sense, in a in a like a metaphorical sense, is, is this what they have to go through to be successful? You know, or is this is this what they have to go through 
to be accepted in a predominantly white community is to play the games or to do what the do what the uh, in the, in the, going back to the movie what the white audience proposes to them um, even though it's not even part of his nature or yeah. and it's 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 just uh, and and I noticed you know I think there's there's <laughs> right the 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 one percent is termed that for a very specific reason. It's such a small percentage of what is available and what you have to be in order to um, be part of the elite. And I think I've seen a lot of people suffer because of this. Um, there's a there's a host we know. She's a very smart person, uh, but she doesn't speak and um, let's say dress you know as normal as you would might expect someone who with her intelligence and not only her intelligence but also her level of caring and compassion mm-hmm. might have mm-hmm. and you know it hurts her in that sense and it hurts me to have to see her sort of go through that and people think this because she is one of the one of the best people that I know in my life mm-hmm. um you know and and so it is a thing that happens often, unfortunately, especially like in the corporate world, right? The the whole Wall Street image, like you have to wear a suit, you have to be this. There's there's a very perceived notion of what success is, unfortunately, and you have to placate to that. Um, which I guess transitions quite nicely into talking about Detroit because she represents quite the opposite of that belief, you know, and she's she's an opposition of cash. Right. Um, yeah, she. Uh, I've I've read some articles where she, like she's like the most, I guess, the wokest of them all, <laughs> because even like her, like I loved how her um, her earrings are always making a statement, her shirts are always making a statement, and it's funny how like when I was reading the the uh, the the rundown that you made, how some of them viewed her as a manic pixie dream girl. And I didn't even think about that at all. Like I didn't. I didn't even like catch catch that because she was so. She's so, uh, in a sense, like she just does what she wants to do. She 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 bangs anyone she wants to bang, and she's she's kind of like her own uh, free entity. So I didn't even see her like being there just for cashes. And like I saw her just. She is another character, like her own character, and in this film and also how just how interesting she was because of like how we didn't get her background for mm-hmm. most of the part um and uh yeah i, yeah, I thought she was uh, well the, the the interesting part comes into less you know i i i'm less concerned with the argument that she's only there for cassius but where it gets really interesting is that you know when you talk about her earrings let's say mm-hmm. and you know we just talked about cash playing to a white audience well she with her art gallery um you know there's a side to it where where the people who buy art and that buy ridiculous that buy art at a ridiculous price Mm -hmm. um you have to know how to play to that audience and you know just by the sheer nature of it that tends to be predominantly white and so essentially her art if she's going to sell any of it has to play to a white audience and and that's kind of what's interesting about it all yeah it's kind of like a contradiction 
right? Yeah, because you know, in order to, in that sense, in order to be successful, you have to know how to market it properly. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be surprised, like the amount of paintings I've seen that go that sell for over ten million dollars, and it's just like a black dot, or you know what I mean, like just yeah. something ridiculous. Um, you know, obviously people people define art however they may, but just some of these prices are absolutely absurd to me. In that sense, isn't she, is she kind of like a hypocrite too because of that whole bedroom scene she has with Cash? Um, how she calls him out on on selling out, but at the same time, in order to sell her art, that's like literally like big pieces of Africa, or like they they're, they're, mm-hmm. it's Africa, like in art form. Um, she has to also uh, undergo, in a sense, like that code switch to appeal to the. Uh, the white buyers are going to buy her art. Well, there's a quote from David Foster Wallace that goes, in today's day and age, you have to make um, the attack on art entertaining. Mm -hmm. That's not the exact quote, uh, forgive me, but um, because I wasn't prepared to, I just made the connection here. (laughs) But um, so in that sense, if she's doing anything, like it's it's a it's a very fine line, and you know I think you're right in that sense. Like I don't think she has it fully figured out, and that, I think that's what the movie's trying to say. Like it's a very difficult position to be in to to have to figure that out. But I think she understands enough to at least the entry point. If you're gonna if you're not just gonna preach to the the choir, you have to find an entry point into how to get there. Mm-hmm. And so if it's generally through humor then if, if, you, if you can kind of create that and that provides the window then perhaps you can change people's opinion okay you know you have to make the art you have to make the attack on art entertaining okay and is that what like it's represented through like her her um her little act in a, I, in a sense yeah because yeah. okay. it is it is rather absurd it is rather humorous and and this entire movie in that sense is kind of that's what it's doing like we we talked talked about at this point enough where yet yeah, parts of it were extremely funny mm-hmm. but they're funny because it, 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 humor is that entry point into these much larger discussions mm-hmm. right yeah i get i got you um also something i just kind of noticed was like uh, there's some similarities between uh cash and and detroit when it comes to uh the the code switching mm-hmm. so you know cash is he uses his, his white voice to appeal to 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 pretty much uh to come up in the game and telemarketing to to be more successful and whatnot so th- what i was thinking was like he's kind of like he's not really playing the field it's more like the field is playing him because the higher he goes up they're like oh no on this level you have to use your white voice all the time <laughs> so he's like he's being like oh okay so he has to have that code switch in order to, to still be like he's still under someone's thumb in a sense while in detroit's case like she does that code switch when she's at the art gallery but she's playing the field she's <laughs> she's she's putting on this persona in order to in order to uh to sell her art so i think like in the sense like they have there's like a similarity there but it also there's a stark difference where one's being played the other one is doing the playing yeah. does that make sense All right. yes it does I, th- I think you know taking a different way um, you know, going off of that, at no point in life can you not participate. Mm-hmm. But it's a matter of: Are you choosing to participate, or are you participating in something you don't want to? Right. So, you, Cash, you know, he says very deliberately, like, like, listen, I'm I'm supportive of your cause, meaning the the 
unionization of, of the telemarketers in the lower levels, but I'm going to be on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you, you don't really get a choice. You, you know, by you doing this other thing, you're you're actively participating against that. Right. He can say he doesn't want to participate or he doesn't, he's going to be on the sidelines, but in reality, just by still continuing to work, by still continuing to go through like the riot squad just to get yeah. inside the building, he's playing the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And that and also, too, I think, you know, um, if let's say you and I sat here and we were like, okay, we're in support of every good cause out there possible, okay, that doesn't really help. Right. You have to actively do something to help that. Now, in turn, I like part of you know what you and I talked about going into this by talking about this movie in the way that we are is you know we have this platform it's part of what we can deliver and hopefully you know to the very few people because I know there are few that that don't watch the movies but but listen to the show maybe we can convert them and go see the movie right maybe by having this sort of discourse um other people can then have these ideas and bring it forth to other people around them and say, hey, this, this is what I learned from the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I appreciate this platform for that reason, especially when it comes to movies like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to say, I completely agree with you. Um, I actually haven't really been able to talk to anyone about this movie until actually yesterday when I brought it up to Courtney. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 uh, I totally appreciate this platform, too, especially because it's... Um, at least personally for me, this is a little like uh, hard land, like landscape to traverse um, because of I just overall like I, I I have a good idea of the movie, but I know there's so many nuances here that I don't I'm not like too confident in. But yeah, for the most part, this is this is such a great movie to just start an overall discussion for with uh, anyone else who's seen it, yeah. and see their their views and 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 see how they viewed certain scenes, and it shows you you know how like their background in a sense and how they see life in general. Well, I think you know I, I was, I, I think that's what it's supposed to. You're not you know we're not supposed to 100% know this movie and uh, I think there's a lot of different perspectives to it you know Courtney's not going to have the same perspective as us and you know when you talk about the political climate once again it people aren't having these discussions people of different viewpoints different cultures aren't coming together in this way and having to um, to talk about these things you know for those of you listening if you weren't aware we're pretty much two white dudes talking about a black movie Right, yeah. but I don't feel. First off, that's like to think that we should be black in order to talk about this movie. I think is racist. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, I don't feel wrong in any sort of way because I number one, I enjoy this movie heavily, and number two, I'm doing it because I'm trying to learn something beyond myself. Um, you know, and so like, and no one's really going to be able to tell me that perspective unless it's from an authentic perspective right uh, you know boots riley he was at 15, at 14 um part of the international committee against racism uh at 15 he was part of the progressive label labor party and the fact as i mentioned the fact that we have movies like blind spotting mm-hmm. um spike lee's come out you know we're gonna be talking about his movie black klansman mm-hmm. i i you know i think these are wonderful movies that offer these perspectives um you know to offer a different sort of viewpoint I actually got a chance to see Crazy Rich Asians, and I think that's a fantastic movie, uh, and I really support its cause, you know, and finally being able to see 
Asians in a mainstream movie, you mm-hmm. know, in that sense. So seeing all these pers- different perspectives, one of the reasons why I love the movies is because it allows me to learn more. Even if it's yeah. a, even if it was a comedy, let's say, right? Right. Um, you know, taking that separate and wasn't necessarily a satire. There's something to learn, and that's that's what I truly appreciate about movies that are different perspectives. Yeah, I mean, even I learned so much um, viewing it and like really thinking about some of the things that they're presenting to us. Like, I mean, the fact that he has to he has to change his voice to be successful in this in this in his uh, workplace, and I I got me thinking like this is like I've heard about it before, but I'm never really and never really sunk in with me, you know. And so I just really started like like I just. Uh, started like in the sense i just like stewed in it for a bit you know and i'm just like wow like they constantly have to traverse landscapes um in their everyday life as to like what do they want out of me um in a certain job like a, a workplace pretty much mm-hmm. like do you, do they want me to use my and well like as like how the how the <laughs> how the film presents how, do they want me to use a white voice or can they be themselves or like is is being themselves being too black or something it's it's the fact that they have to tone down that is so absurd to me and i think that's a perfect like case in point that the movie presents and mm-hmm. how you're able to learn like hey like african americans go through this almost every day when they go in for say a job some sort of job mm-hmm. and it's it's astonishing because like at least me personally I, I am mexican but i've never been like how mexican do they want me or like how white do they <laughs> you know it's like it's it's a it's a it's such a strange thing and it, this movie presents it to you in such a a wonderfully delightful way <laughs> well on the flip side too you know i think that's where you know uh, if you, let's say you're you're a boss and you happen to be white um or even if you are black i think it, it, it helps you perhaps to realize okay am i doing this when i hire people mm-hmm. you know uh we'd all like to think that um we don't look at those various factors but ultimately there comes a point in time you know, unless the system's really that well perfected, that you're going to see the person, you're going to meet the person, you're going to speak to the person. And if there, any of these things kind of trigger you, then you start to be like, "Oh, not the right candidate." Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, no, they could very well be the right candidate, but your predisposed notions about what is the ideal candidate encumbers that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's you know a way to perhaps look at it and, and just, you know get something out of it that is applicable to to people's lives. Yeah. Um I do want to highlight um get into the production side of things um because unfortunately we don't have the most amount of time but for that uh it's not to dis- to discredit any of the other topics we could certainly go into by all means there's plenty that we didn't hit, so I will cop to that. But do leave us a description in the comment section, or not description, comment. How's <laughs> it about what? Well, yeah. Yeah, how about this? Uh, leave a description of your what, experience, your experience <laughs> what you think of the movie. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, that'd be awesome. It could be a description of your experiences just in life, but also just in watching this movie, mm-hmm. um, so forth. So we can start micro and build to the macro. That's fine with me. Um, that discourse. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, overall, very efficient shoot. Shot over 60 scenes in 28 days. Wow. And, you know, things ramp up pretty fast, so it 
and for for such a for a new director too that's wow that's that's pretty pro <laughs> it is i mean grant you know he's been in the business the music business for for a very long time mm-hmm. and so you know they kind of don't 100% go hand in hand but but you certainly will learn learn things that that can help out this process and um i think he had a great crew all of his actors were really on board. Um, I do want to shout out uh, Forrest Whitaker and his uh, producing partner, uh, Nina Yang, mm-hmm. who Boots Riley attributes that without Nina in particular, um, this movie wouldn't have been what it is. Uh, she She's known for taking movies that are, that are her passion. Um, she's one of the producing partners behind Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. She's known to take risks on first-time directors, on giving director first-time directors bigger budgets than most people would feel comfortable giving. Mm-hmm. And it certainly pays off, and I think she, she was a great mentor in this process. So I do want to shout out her. Um, and it ultimately shows on screen because the fact that it, it it has done so well despite its limited release. Like it, it came number seventh, having a limited release. That's wow, top ten. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's insane. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. We're, we're, and we're made, talking eight hundred theaters. And like to this day, made about what fifteen million, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was made for three point two. Three point two. So like almost five times. It's like it's it's cost. <laughs> that's 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 a win. <laughs> That is a win. Uh, and, you know, what's what's unfortunate to see is that distributors right now aren't picking it up for overseas because they say black films don't do well. Well, here's a little stat for you that maybe help. Uh, the Hollywood, this is from The Hollywood Reporter. One comparison for Sorry to Bother You is, is the 2006 specialty film Moonlight, which in part by its Oscar win grossed $37 million overseas, which is more than half of its total gross. Damn. So, you know what? I don't think you can justifiably say that black films don't do well overseas. Mm-hmm. And Moonlight, you know, it's not necessarily that far-fetched as this, but it's a very slow and hard movie to watch. Right. Yeah, it's super stark. Yeah. <laughs> stark differences there. Yeah. And no I offense, like, it, it, you know, uh, that movie's about a gay black man, which, you know, gay in a lot of countries can still be very taboo. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that well is incredible. Yeah, I think this one this one is a bit more versatile as to like um, how m- people can relate to it more, you know, mm-hmm. um, rather than Moonlight. Uh, and that's just my personal opinion, just because. Uh, but yeah, I just feel like this this could really kill it overseas, and it's a shame that it's it's having trouble finding distribution over there. It is a shame because if you look at um, if, if you look at the makeup of let's say France's World Cup winning team. It's a very diverse team of mm-hmm. of immigrants of France, you know, people from Africa, people from all all sorts of places, and uh, it like there's articles literally written about how diverse the French national team was, and that in fact that was what led them to win the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at it about it from that perspective, um, you know, that's soccer. But I think there's a large there's so much diversity throughout the world that to not release it worldwide is to me is a huge blunder right yeah i mean it's sure it only puts um it only puts america under the magnifying glass but i just feel like it can it can it it speaks more than just our land like i i feel like classism racism um 
and and uh, capitalism is kind of uh, something that's that that can be felt a bit. It can that yep. can be felt really it's a universal well. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent universally. Yeah, sorry. All good. Like, um, the good news is critics do overall agree with us. It's got ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa, re- <laughs> really? I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't. I didn't read that part. <laughs> wow. Yes, indeed. That's awesome. From about one hundred sixty two reviews. Uh, the consensus is fearlessly ambitious, scathing funny, scathingly funny, and thoroughly original. Sorry to bother you. Loudly heralds the arrival of fresh filmmaking talent and writer director Boots Riley. Mm-hmm. So kudos to him. Kudos to the actors. Oh yeah. Um, Keith Stanfield just killed it. Yes, indeed. So uh, nothing but praise for this movie. If at this point you haven't yet seen it. Do yourself a favor. Do go see it. Support this movie by all, by all means. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Uh, and as mentioned, let us know your thoughts and opinions. Any final thoughts before we wrap out? Um, I think it's a movie that should be... If you're on the fence about it, I'm going to tell you just go watch it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to knock you over the fence. Like, go watch this film. I think it's great. I think it it just expands your mind uh, mm-hmm. in as to um as to just like really really prominent social issues and economical issues um that are happening in America and even if you're not from here i think it's still valuable to watch i think i think people could learn so much from this mm-hmm. um as i did i mean i i just shared one part but there's there's just so much else that I was like and, and research like once you watch it if you don't get a part that's fine just go read read up on the film watch videos on the film and read it whatever yeah you'll gain a deeper appreciation for the film and for the director for the actors and also a deeper appreciation hopefully until for life and other cultures absolutely so speaking of that uh, I lost my train of thought Oh, well. Um, <laughs> oh, thoughts? I'll say this. Um, okay. Th- this is an earlier thought. It's not the thought I had, but um, there, there's a great book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And in it, he says there's two races in the world, decent people and indecent people. Mm-hmm. And I think I've always felt that feeling. I've always wanted to express it in such a simple t- way. And that's, I think if you're going to do anything with people, that's how you should classify them. Decent people and indecent people. Mm-hmm. Put everything else aside. Gender, race, and so on. Anywho, um, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will... Oh, here's what I was going to say. Oh. Oscar. I think this is Oscar worthy. Really? I think so. Why I haven't not? really thought about it, but... I mean, it's a, a movie like... It, it, it's it's a little early in the year as far as the release, because most of the movies tend to be in the fall mm-hmm. that end up being Oscar contenders. But I really think something like this should somewhere for something yeah you know be nominated yeah what do you think like best original screenplay because it, it was best so, original screenplay so best acting like th- there's a number of combinations again it's it's tough to say right now because popular th- film. <laughs> there's so much to still see for the rest of the year that yeah. you know i have to see all that to see where this holds up ultimately but i think somewhere it can find something like there's plenty of good stuff on that screen that something's got to be nominated at least I'm not saying it has to win, but nominated for sure. Yeah, I agree. Even like the 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 the, the uh, horseman looked freaky. Like that yeah, production design, out. like you know, yeah. anything. The first time you see them, oh my god, <laughs> creep me out. Oh, really creep me out. Anyway, 
at Tony B Tony underscore yes. for Tony. Thank you. Uh, and definitely, if if you like horror movies, especially right now, there's there's a slew of horror movies hitting the movie there's theaters. Three right now coming out. Yeah, all that Oof. will be talked about on horror movie news. Uh, speaking of one of them, we will be doing the Meg next week. Hopefully, Tony joins us for that. Yeah, if I watch it, I'm done. Better because it's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at Phil Sweetdeck. Appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next time on another Anatomy of Movie. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. You can stress herein or those of the host's owners, not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.